Episode 38, Self-Talk Your Stories Into a Better Place. Welcome to the story in your head. I'm Ron Macklin, and today, Michelle, myself, and our guest, Steve Norris, from A Better Place Project, discuss how making the effort to understand self-talk has drastically improved our relationships. Steve also tells a story of how this has helped him find a new level of authenticity and purpose in his life. Are you looking to strengthen your relationships, whether personally or professionally? You want to learn how to build authentic connections faster, or perhaps you're looking to beat employee burnout through the power of connection. My name is Ron Macklin, founder of Macklin Connection, and in our workshops, we teach you the fundamentals of how to do exactly that and more. To learn more of the power of your relationships, visit us at MacklinConnection.com. Steve, welcome to the show, The Story in Your Head. Thanks, Ron and Michelle. Thanks for having me. Glad to have you here. Could you spend a, like a short elevator ride up? Tell us what your elevator introduction is. <laughs> wow, that's a really good question. Grew up in the Midwest, grew up in Illinois. Very happy childhood, wonderful, big Catholic family with seven siblings. And we had like 20 foster kids, you know, throughout my childhood growing up as well. So I was changing diapers at the age of 10 or 11, helping out my parents with foster kids and and grew up playing music, classical piano growing up. And then I discovered rock and roll and, you know, just fell in love with music. And that was a huge part of my life in my 20s. I moved to California and signed to an independent record deal, put out an album and toured to support that record. And But then I got married and started having kids. So I decided I needed to be a businessman. I wanted to be home and not be an absentee father. So, you know, had kids and I discovered out in the business world that I really enjoyed sales and I became a student of sales. I became an entrepreneur and launched a couple of companies. But after having some success throughout my life, I lived pretty much a charmed life through my childhood and my 20s and 30s and even into my 40s. And then I had a series of major setbacks that just blindsided me. Uh, you know, my uh, divorce, my ex-wife of 20, we were together 27 years. That was really, really tough. We met when we were 19 and 18 years old and, and just had a series of just obstacles and major challenges in my life. And, and I just kind of had a longing to seek out goodness in the world and, and also seek out a purpose and, and, and living a life where, I, where I'm fulfilled. And I had made more money than I ever thought I could make uh, launching these companies and, and in sales. But even throughout that process, I realized that I really wasn't fulfilled. And I kind of made the decision at that time that for the rest of my life, if it's not something that, that brings me joy or that I feel like I'm contributing to the world, I'm not going to do it. And if that means I need to live in poverty, so be it. And believe me, there's been some poverty in, in the last few years since I made that decision. But I also kind of for the first time in my life, these last couple of years have just a wonderful, beautiful sense of purpose in my life. And that that's everything to me. 
Great. Thank you. So looking at your background, you started the Better Place Project. And I'd yes. love to know sort of what inspired you to do that. And at least from what I've seen, you've, your daughter, Erin, is included in that. Like, how did that all happen? Yeah. As a matter of fact, Erin was kind of the, I had been thinking, was the impetus for really how that started. I had for about four or five years thought one of these days I'd like to do a podcast. And, you know, I'm a people person and I love conversation. I love storytelling. But I kind of always thought it would be about perhaps the wine industry. I would do wine tasting. I'm a big wine lover. I've traveled all over the world in search of wonderful wines and that sort of thing. And But it was just one of those things that was stuck off that in the one of these days categories, I'll get to that. And the pandemic came. We had already had a few years of divisiveness in our nation politically where the far right and the far left were just, you know, it was just a lot of divisiveness in our in our country. And like I said, the pandemic hit and I was out for a walk one day and just really kind of feeling like a lot of America, I think, isolated, a little lonely, a little uh, hunger for just positivity in my life. And my daughter Erin called me and we were chatting and uh, she says, Dad, do you ever think about doing a podcast? And I said, you know, it's funny you mentioned that I have, you know, for years. And she said, I think you should. You know, you love to talk. You never shut up. So you should do it. So I thought about it over the next couple of days. And I realized two things. One, if I'm going to do it, it's going to have something to do with shining a light on goodness around the world. Because I just had a hunger and a strong, innate desire in me to seek out people that were doing positive, good things to make the world a better place. So I just immediately knew that's what I want to do. And then secondly, I wanted my daughter to be the co-host. So I called her back. Yes, I'm going to do this, but I want you to be the co-host. And she's a little shyer than I am. And she's like, Dad, if you do 90% of the talking, I'll just, you know, come along for the ride. So she was amazing. And for the first like 40 45 episodes, I think she was my co-host on every episode, did the interviews with me. And, but she's the last couple seasons, she's entrenched in her master's program at the university. And so she just doesn't have the time for the day to day. So she's not doing the whole hosting, but she's still behind the scenes. She reads out our bios every week and does the intros and outros and all of that. But the short answer to that question, why I launched the podcast was to really shine a light on extraordinary humans that are doing good things in the world. And, and I realized after about 10 or 12 or 13 episodes that the guests that I was attracted to were guests that they taught things that I needed to learn, that I wanted to, you know, they taught things that I wanted to, that I was searching for growth in my life. So it's kind of been my little journey. And now we're at 91 episodes. And our listeners are coming along for the ride. And it's just been just a fun, one of the one of the greatest labors of loves and joys of my life so far, for sure, doing that. Thanks, Steve. In our programs that we teach in our own practices, one of the fundamentals is we always have this thing called self-talk, a story that goes on in our head all the time. And we also hold it that it has a bias, right? That bias is, you know, scared, fear, you know, a negative space. Like I'm not enough. I'm not strong enough, fast enough, smart enough. Like how important is that to you? Or do you have the same situations? And is that important to you? And, and how has that shown up in your story? Oh, 
Oh my gosh, you guys. And in, in fact, when I think it was Caitlin on your team first, you know, reached out to me and I took a look at your, your podcast. And that was one of the first things that made me gravitate towards connecting with you both because I saw right in your, your, your bio about your podcast, the importance of self-talk and and, you know, and then I go down your episodes and I think, oh, my gosh. In fact, before I forget, I listened to an episode that I love the title, The Importance of Breathing, that you guys did. You know, that, that, that could be a whole separate conversation that I, that I love that topic. But anyway, getting back to the self-talk, we had a gentleman on our show called Dr. Shad Helmstetter. I highly recommend him. I'll make the introduction. It'd be perfect for your guys' show as well. He's been on Oprah a few times and he's written... I don't know, 20 something best-selling books on that exact topic of self-talk and neuroplasticity, which for some of your listeners that may not have come across that term, which I hadn't a year or two before I met him, it's the dialogue that goes on and that goes on in our head is literally forming pathways in our brain. And he presents the scientific evidence behind this that the more these negative thoughts or positive thoughts go on in our head. We are creating pathways that alter our life, that, that alter our decisions, that kind of guide us in our, in our decisions. And after that conversation, he said, pay attention to the thoughts in your head for the next 24 hours. And I was blown away, you guys. I was blown away at how Many times in a day, I say, Steve, you're an idiot. Why'd you do that? Oh my God, you're, you're stupid. Just putting myself down all day long. I'd, you know, spill my coffee or jump all over myself before I didn't do, ask a follow up question properly on my podcast. I'm sure you guys beat yourself up, you know, on, on I wish I had said this or I would, you know, those types of things. It was constant in my head. And then when I looked, Back over the previous few years, I realized that that had been going on for quite a while to the point where I was also considering myself a victim for all these bad things that I told you about that were happening in my life, my divorce. I had a business partner that stole money from the company and fled the country. I had all kinds of just negative things you know, happening going on in my life, and that just created more negative talk. So... I've been on a mission ever since then to be aware of it and to catch those thoughts and switch it and to forgive myself when I have that thought in my head, uh, when I call myself an idiot or a moron or I'm, you know, too fat or too skinny or not whatever, all those things that, 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 that go on in our head. And again, the science behind that is telling us that we literally can reformat our brains. And if we're saying positive things about ourselves, we're going to start liking ourselves and loving ourselves more. And, and the more we like ourselves, the more clarity we get on the types of people we should be surrounding ourselves with and the types of people we surround ourselves with. There's a direct correlation between that and our happiness and our success in life. Yeah, thanks. For me, one of the most powerful things I could do is is recraft that story, right? That negative story into a positive story. And it's, it's not easy. Of, 
No, no, you have to keep at it. And every day, every minute, <laughs> at least for me, right? It, me it's too. something we do. Well, what I, what I notice is sometimes those stories have become so ingrained in me that I don't even notice that I have the story until somebody says, why, why, why do you say that? And I was going like, I, I said that? They go, yeah, you said that. I go, I did say that. Like, that it's is crazy, isn't it? It's crazy. It, like, I, it wasn't even like in my world that I did that. And it was who I was telling myself I was. And to your point, Ron, we are it, it completely, I as well was completely oblivious to it. And, and I'll be the first to admit, I never, when, when I, Saturday Night Live, you might remember, used to have a skit with, I don't remember the guy that would stand in the mirror and I'm smart enough. I'm handsome enough and darn it, people like me. And, you know, it, it kind of made fun of positive affirmations. And I always kind of question, oh, does that really work? Just saying I'm a good person and I'm happy and I'm joyful and I'm grateful and switching those negative thoughts to positive thoughts. I didn't have buy into it until this last, these last couple of years. And it's completely changed my life. I feel better when I wake up in the morning. And don't get me wrong, it's still a struggle. We, you know, these habits of 20, 30, 40 years, they're there, these deep ruts, but we can overcome them. And as soon as we start doing that, every step that we do that is one step towards a happier life. Because I do firmly believe with every fiber of my being now that we can choose to be happy. We can choose to create our own joy. And we can't do that if we don't like ourselves, if we're, if we have negative thoughts in our head. Yeah. Thanks, Steve. Is there anything in particular, do you think as you made the shift, right? A story that comes to mind over the last couple of years, it's like, wow, that's different, you know, an interaction with somebody or, or something along those lines. Yes. It, to me, a lot of this has been tied to so many other peripheral things that talks in your head opens you up to self-reflection. And why is it that I maybe didn't like myself? And the more I reflected, the more I realized that all the negative things that kind of happened in my life, I played some role in that for sure. And not in any small part, partially due to the negative thoughts in my head, who wants to be around someone that's, you know, and although most people around me would tell you, Steve's the most positive guy I ever met, they were oblivious to these negative thoughts in my head. But that energy of that negativity is still there. And people feel that. And so during this reflection, I realized that one thing that I hadn't done because I hadn't reflected and I hadn't take ownership for my negative mindset and the negative things that happened in my life was that playing the role of a victim, as I mentioned a few minutes ago, that I had a really hard time forgiving. So the best gift that I have been given throughout this process of changing the dialogue in my head, of changing my perception of myself changing, growing to like myself was allowing myself to open my heart to the other people that have done me wrong. And so 
my life has changed in that I have been able to, and I'm still working on one case, but I've made huge, you know, I've made huge grounds on forgiveness. And, and it truly is a gift that we give ourselves when we forgive. And by putting these positive thoughts in my head, not only about myself, but about my environment and those around me. And I read recently in a, in a book a couple of years ago by Jensen Cyril. It's called You Are a Badass. And I highly recommend this book. It's a fun read. And it's all about these things that we're talking about. And she talks about forgiveness. And she says, if you look at the person who did you wrong as a child, an infant, a little six-month-old baby, you'll see an innocent little human being that all they want is exactly what you wanted and want is to be loved, to be cared for, to be safe, secure, all those things. And, and that shift in my mindset of being able to look at some of these people in my life that I'd had a bad experience with or had trouble forgiving them. When you look at them in that light, it really changes everything and allows you to have some compassion for them and allows you to also realize that if I had been born to their parents or maybe in their country or maybe to their religion and their belief systems, I would have done the exact same thing. We are all capable of love and we are all capable of robbing banks and killing other human beings and doing horrible things. We're all capable of all those things. And the sooner we all understand that, that, that we're product of our genetics, our environment, our religion, our belief systems. And so that also allowed me changing that mindset, allowed me to be more compassionate towards others that weren't like me and, and, and just be more tolerant of other ways of life, other, you know, just, just of other people in general. And I realized also that I was a really judgmental person. And just in my head, little things, you know, walking through the grocery store, I've got my you know, gallon of milk and, and maybe, uh, you know, some eggs. I've got two things. And, and then a, a guy pushes his cart full of groceries right in front of me. And, uh, you know, and, and it's going to take him 20 minutes. It would take me 60 seconds. And he jumps right in front of me. And, and in my head, I'm going, oh, my gosh, what a rude jerk and that sort of thing. And, and that exact same thing happened to me a couple of weeks ago. And I immediately started to go there. And I thought. He could have a sick wife at home with stage four cancer that he needs to get home. He could have, he could have been fired from his job yesterday and he, he could have just completely been oblivious to me and wasn't trying to be rude at all. And that's a powerful thing to be standing in that line relaxed in that state instead of having my, you know, blood pressure up because I'm upset. Sorry, that was a long winded answer. No, to your it, question, was, it was great. It was a great answer. No, great. And yeah, Steve. What I noticed is like, I, I've never, I've never been able to stop that initial thought. Like what the hell do you do? But I can get in between that and saying, I don't like that person or I wish that person would go away, but I'm always going to have that response. But then how do I get interrupt that before I start to do something else? And then one of the things that I've noticed about myself is even if I may be talking good, like talking in a way that people would say, Oh, upbeat, positive, a good guy. Right. Yeah, but my face still has whatever the internal story is exactly. plastered, plastered all over it. And, and they're looking at you going like, well, he says that, <laughs> yeah. but he looks like he wants to kill somebody right now. And 
how did, but that's all because I haven't gotten that story inside out of me. And that goes to what you, that literally gave me goosebumps right there, which you just said, because that goes to what you guys talk about constantly on your podcast. And that is authenticity, truly trying to be authentic with who we are. If we're saying one thing, but we're really feeling and being something else, that's not authentic. And, and, and Ron, for the first thing you said there a moment ago about having that initial bad thought and, you know, Gabby Bernstein, I think, gave the best advice that resonated with me on what she suggests to do there. And she calls it the choose again method. You know, that, that you know, the, the guy cuts you off in traffic or what have you. And I want to kill that guy and blah, blah, blah. And then boom, you catch it. Step one. Step two, you forgive yourself. For ha- so again, it's a positive. You forgive yourself for having that initial reaction. We're all human. So you forgive yourself in step two for that having that action. Step three, choose again. I get to choose how I want to feel right now. And I'm going to choose to be at peace and not let that person who just cut me off in traffic, who is late for work or is trying to get to the hospital, who knows, you know, that's what we can do. We can choose again to feel differently after we forgive ourselves for the initial thought. That's great. Thank you, Steve. So Michelle, do you have another another question? Yeah. So that, that I have one more if that's that's okay. Yeah, so I was looking at your, your website and, and there's a phrase in there that really triggered me and I, I'd like to know a little bit more of what's behind it. And I'll read it. It says, celebrate the flows of imperfection that makes us human. Mm. So what was behind that one? Loving yourself involves way more than just loving all your good qualities. That's easy. That's easy. We only truly love ourselves when we love ourselves unconditionally, that we love ourselves for our flaws. We love ourselves even though we sometimes lose our temper in traffic, as I do. That's my Achilles heel, you know. I'm not a patient person. So so it's it's we don't yes, we always try to grow and improve our, our flaws, but we embrace our imperfections. That's all part of the beauty of us. We are we are nature. We are, we're going to die. We're going to have a bad day. We're going to get sick. We're going to do something we wish we hadn't done. But, but what's beautiful about it is once we give ourselves a break, we take it easier on ourselves, then automatically we start to take it easier on our friends and our family and we give them a lot more breaks. And, and that's, way easier, isn't it? I mean, I don't know about you guys, but another thing that helped me with kind of the negative self-talk is Dr. Shad Helmstetter said, when you, next time you say something in your head and you think about, you know, gosh, why did I say that? You're an idiot, you know, in that meeting or what have you, ask yourself, if your best friend or your brother said that same thing in the meeting, would you go to him and say, you're an idiot? Why did you say that? You know, of course we wouldn't. So why are we so hard on ourselves. We need to stop that. Thank you. Yeah, it reminds me of a phrase I tell myself a lot that I am imperfectly perfect. Bingo. That's exactly right. Embrace your imperfections. Yeah. Uh, That's great, Steve. What you triggered for me was, yeah, I I may not know it, but I I played football in college. And there, there was a space there that all the guys I played with, they could say all the meanest things in the world and it never affected me. You just went like, oh, thanks. Yeah. You know, like, cause I trusted him. 
like 100% yeah. trusted who they were and what they were up to. It's locker room talk, thrown smack. And, and yeah. they just go like smack, smack you around a little bit. And you go, yeah, thanks. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and yeah. yet when I don't have that trust or that camaraderie, that space, I make up all kinds of stories about it versus being open and trusting. And it's about how do I build that trust? How do we build that trust with people around us so that they can be brutally honest and we don't get upset. We listen, we learn. We, we're not trying to cut us off and be mean. They're really just being them. And then we can be authentic with each other. That's exactly right. And you hit another one of my favorite words, and that is trust. And there are those who argue, philosophers, thought leaders, that trust is actually more important than love. Because without trust and you know, the foundation of love really can't exist because love encompasses all of that. So we really have to have that trust in one another and know that that's coming from a good place from our family and our friends or what have you. When, when we're told something that maybe makes us feel uncomfortable and that sort of thing, trust is such a powerful, powerful word and having just unconditional trust with a partner, with a family member, with a long-term lifelong friend. It's one of the most beautiful things you could ever have. Thanks, Steve. Uh, you also have a podcast, so you're used to being the host. What questions can we answer for you? Wow. That's, that's a question I didn't, didn't expect to, to get. Yeah. Then my question for you guys would be what, is your favorite thing about doing what you do on this podcast? I'll start, Michelle. Meeting people like you, that we we get a chance to notice that. I mean, in theory, we go, yeah, we're all kind of the same, and we all have the same fears and the same loves and trusts and all that stuff. And then we get to meet people like you and other guests, and we find out we're we're pretty much the same. We've got different backgrounds, different histories, but we're pretty much the same. We have the same things we're, we're scared of, right? We're scared of the same, same thing we're in the space to where we really get a chance to meet and like some people in the world that we would never have gotten to. And we always learn something. Love it. And and this is a place where we're continuing our knowledge. I think that was kind of your story too. Absolutely. Yeah. Michelle? Yeah, certainly for the podcast, it has been such a learning experience for me. And, you know, as Ron said, we're all the same and the one story that's very strong in me is, is the I'm not enough story, right? Carried it probably from God knows what age, three, four, five, who knows, right? Where that starts. And a lot of people have that story. And when you work with them, how can we all work together to shift the story for ourselves? And how powerful is that, right? To shift that story to I'm not enough to I am enough. And having those circle of friends and networks that constantly helps you to do that, because at least for me, it does reoccur, right? And it takes time to keep pushing that one off. Sure. So and meeting people to do that and helping others to do that too. So for me, that's that's a big one. That's awesome. It you know, I was not a early adapter. And here, you know, I I will always like to think of myself in my twenties and thirties as being an early adapter to new technologies new technologies and that sort of thing. And, and the podcast, you know, forum going back, you know, 15 years ago, when people, the first podcasters started creeping up that I thought, Hmm, 
will we really go back to a format of people talking? I mean, we've had radios for a hundred years. You know, I didn't quite get it. And, and now I look at what a godsend this format is in the advent of, you know, back 15 years ago, we didn't have, you know, the smartphones. We maybe had uh, really, you know, old, you know, flip phones or what have you, but we didn't have the distractions that we had. We did have technology, but what this forum gives us is a half hour to an hour. Some I've had hour and a half, two hour episodes, but to come together and just connect with other humans uninterrupted, uninterrupted, telling stories, sharing ideas, growing together, and just, I think we're really raising the collective, raising the consciousness of our society by having these conversations. So I so applaud you guys for what you're doing. I absolutely love the, you know, everything, the, the, the reasoning behind you guys launching your podcast and the conversations that you're having. You know, you guys are my new friends, my brother and sister in, in really trying to continue this. The more we come together and sit across the table, and this is a proverbial table, and, and share our ideas, the better the world is. So thank you. Thanks, Steve. If you could share with our, our listeners, like how would they find your podcast and how would they find you? The podcast is Better Place Project. And the full title is Better Place Project with Steve Norris, but you'll find it under Better Place Project. You'll find our website at betterplaceproject.org. We're on Instagram at Better Place Praj. And but yeah, we're wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, all of them. Thanks, Steve. Really appreciate you coming on the podcast today. And with that, we'll wrap it up today. Michelle, is there anything else you want to cover? Nothing else. I so enjoyed it. Hopefully our listeners will too. And like I said, a new best friend. You guys have been awesome. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much, really. Thank you for having me on. It's been a blast talking with you both. Appreciate it. Thank you all for listening today. If you enjoyed the episode, please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. Not only does it help the show, but we'd love to hear from you. If you have a minute, share your feedback. Thank you all, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>